Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. I want to give this text so you can sit down, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about our mission, and then I hope preach for just a few minutes. I know um, hearing two back-to-back preachers can get kind of long, but I'm going to pour out what I believe the Lord has for us tonight, and then we're going to let the Lord move in this place. Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 13. Now, I study out of the English Standard Version, but I preach out of King James, so we both might find something in here that's new to us. And after they had held their peace, Jesus, James, apologies, James answered saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of, the, uh, out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return, and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who does all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this chance to be in your presence. I thank you for this opportunity I get to be amongst brethren and sisters, filled with the Holy Ghost, living a life that is abundant and full of of peace and mercy and grace. Lord, surely those things follow me all the days and bless us in this place. Dwell in our hearts. Move in this house. Change us, Lord, forever. I pray that each of us hear something tonight that changes us forever. Give us a passion, Lord, for your heartbeat. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to move in this house. Destroy the yoke of every enemy. Give us, Lord Jesus, a deeper calling. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I, uh, you may be seated. I failed to mention, I, was, I forgot the Scarborough family. It's good to see y'all. They have been very dear friends. Uh, Victoria and I were in the same uh, class at TBT, TBC till she abandoned us. And now Macy and Victoria both have married off and abandoned their first love. We hope they're doing good. They have been a dear friends, and I've spent time with them here in Austin, and it's been a great time. Tonight, I want to talk about the mission for just a second. Uh, wow. Uh, you can go ahead and start. Um, I don't know what it, what it is about Africa. My heart has always been there, though my mind has not been. It's not something that I've always desired. My very first day of Texas Bible College, Daniel Patterson walked up to me and said, you know you're called to be a missionary. I said, a mission to southeast Texas. Yes, that's my calling. And then I met my roommate, David Cadd. He said, I said, what are you here for? He said, it's imprinted on my Bible. I will be a missionary to the Congo. I said, oh, my God, I am surrounded. I met Mackenzie, and uh, we had the opportunity to go into Kenya. This is a little boy. His face is not cut off. In real life, just so you know, he has a full face. That is a miracle. Uh, We had an opportunity to go into Kenya, and something in the back of my mind said, uh, you're going to be going back. And I prayed, and I said, Lord, you'll have to tell my wife. In a service there, we're there 800 people or so. 
my wife comes up to me crying and says, we're coming back, aren't we? we are, while we were there, we did three different things. The first thing we did was a truth conference. Uh, I don't know if you're able to flip through or if they're not loading. That truth conference was strictly for the conversion of Trinitarian pastors. Trinitarian pastors. There were 30 pastors that met with us. And over the course of four days, 26 of them baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, evidence in speaking in other tongues. We have not just left them alone. We have connected them with nationals. They message us back and forth, and we work with them on a basis. When we go back, we will be going back to convert some over 800 saints that go to their church, baptize them all in the name of Jesus Christ, and hopefully fill them all with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We met with the UPC Kenya board. This is, we, we, uh, there was a group that have been teaching this, this thing called Revival by Design. It is... Uh, I, I, I believe a more biblical model of the church and church growth and seasons and, and on-ramps and off-ramps to evangelism and these things. We went uh, with the UPC Kenya, taught them this for several days. The last day of it, we decided, well, why don't we put into practice what we've been teaching? We hit the streets. Some 25, 30 pastors uh, and us hit the streets. We walked the streets in Nakuru, Kenya. In that time, we uh, baptized some 16 people in the name of Jesus Christ, several of them filled with the Holy Ghost. Today, today stands a church in a city that had no church. There was no apostolic church, and that they run over 50 people now, and that was just back in November. There's something about an apostolic work. There's something about an apostolic spirit just down the road from that church is a Muslim co- uh, compound um, where they, they meet, and they send off their bells and their horns. And uh, while we were there, we cast out many demons and many of those, uh, some of those were Muslims. It's, it's something awesome about when the Holy Ghost gets to move in, in an area. It doesn't really matter the stronghold there. All things can fall in the name of Jesus Christ. When we go back... Uh, our, our mission is this. We will be uh, teaching at the Bible College um, for six months out of the year. We will be doing revival by design, traveling, starting churches in areas that have no church. Currently, Kenya has 300 churches, 300 apostolic works. And that sounds like a lot, but Kenya is not a small state. It's big. It's a big land, and it takes a long time to get anywhere. It took us seven hours to drive somewhere that would probably take us here just two or three. Uh, it is, it, there has to be churches, way more, way more churches in more condensed areas. So it is our goal to go there. To date, the truth conferences have baptized uh, something like 600 Trinitarian pastors. Uh, and the 26, while we, that was while we were there, is what we did. We were going to continue that and to raise up nationals. Uh, one of the photos... Uh, actually here, the, uh, the gentleman who pastors the church right here uh, was a Trinitarian man who pastored, uh, he, had, he was a bishop over 11 churches. He was baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, converted, and he's out now actually our number one uh, disciple, if you would, in Kenya. He converts more Trinitarians uh, than, than anybody I know, and it's happening all over the world. It's happening all over the world. 
I give you this report of just the, just the month that we were there in Kenya, but there's so many aimers that I know, so many missionaries that I know, and they tell us all the time that uh, false doctrine is falling by the wayside. People are looking for answers, and they're coming. They're coming, and it's an amazing, an amazing thing. I am here uh, for two reasons. First one, I pray that you would prayerfully consider partnering with us. We have forms here you can fill out. Uh, whether it be monthly or one time, up to you. And also prayerfully consider, hopefully that you would consider yourself becoming a missionary. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that I want you to go overseas. Although, when we applied, um, I was told we wouldn't hear anything back for a few months. We got a phone call back in two weeks. Brother Poitras told me, he said, Brother Devin, in five to ten years, there will only be two full-time missionaries in all of East Africa. That's Egypt all the way down to Madagascar. He said, you will be the youngest by far there in all of East Africa. There's not enough missionaries. But I want to talk to you tonight on this subject here. It's an automatopoeia, but it's also, uh, it's also something I want you to pray about becoming here in your local town. Becoming a missionary. Bam! Be a missionary. Say it with me. Bam! Be a missionary. It's the sound that hell will hear as we bust the gates open in Austin, Texas. Bam! Be a missionary. Bam! Be a missionary. Uh, what is a missionary and what is missions? Missions is a cross-cultural movement aiming and transforming the hearts of men. So that they can see and feel God and praise Him more and see Him more worthy than themselves or the idols that they already serve. Now, for my mission, it may be Kenya. But anybody who's born again of the Spirit knows that your culture changes. It is not the same culture that you had before. You are a new creature born and engrafted into a new body, a new group of people. Maybe your mission is here in Austin, Texas, in this, this different culture. That begs the reason, though, the question that I've asked myself. I read through the scriptures, and I'm reading Acts 15, and the scripture pops out to me when it says, and I will return and build again the tabernacle of David. And what does is, what is David's tabernacle have to do with missions? And we asked ourselves, well, first, what is David's tabernacle? David's tabernacle is, uh, uh, is known as the tabernacle of worship. A tabernacle is a movable temple, if you would, for the spirit to dwell in. And worship is given of uh, and, and worship is given to that God. And what is worship? We know that worship is giving our entire selves, our thoughts, our emotions uh, for the use of God's uh, needs and his pleasure. So why the scripture? It seems so out of place. If you know anything about Acts 15, this, uh, what's happening is uh, the Christians have been all pushed out of Jerusalem and pushed out of Rome. And now they're meeting in Antioch. And while in Antioch, some uh, Pharisees come and they tell them, you converted Gentiles need to be circumcised. You need to live under Jewish law. So some apostles and some men come back to a council there in Jerusalem and they're defending the Gentiles. 
And they're saying, no, it's okay. God's filling them with the Holy Ghost. The same Holy Ghost he filled us up with. He's bat we're baptizing them in the name of Jesus. They're living holy lives. So why this scripture, though? Why would, would James quiet the crowd and, and, and repeat the words that the prophet Amos gave so long ago? I think it's because we realize, and James realized in that time, that David isn't talking about, I mean, that Amos wasn't talking about a physical dwelling place. He wasn't talking about an actual temple or an actual tabernacle that God was going to rebuild. No, what he meant when he gave this prophecy, he said there was something deeper here, something spiritual here. I think it's because David here doesn't even realize it fully yet, but what he did in the time that he brings the tabernacle into fruition, when he brings the Ark of the Covenant back from the Philistines, he's doing the work of a missionary. The tabernacle is an expression of God's greatness to the world. Yes, there are things about David people had heard of. There was things about the band that people had heard of. There was things about the musicians and the singers that oh, they had heard of. Surely they've heard of Israel and how uh, their story of coming out of Egypt and defeating so many uh, of their captors and coming in and out of captivity and, and defeating so many giants and so many kingdoms that were already there. They have heard and there was some popular belief, but uh, but... What makes David so popular and so important and such a man after his own heart was David didn't take the glory just for himself. He knew that there was something more. Even as a king without the Ark of the Covenant, he could have been a king that said, well, we'll just let them hold it for a little while. I'm getting enough money. I'm getting enough praise. People know enough of our name. It wasn't important to David. What was important to David is to bring the Spirit of God into a rightful place to express the goodness and the mercies and the gracefulness and the the awesomeness of God. If he hadn't have had this expression, if you would, again, they would have known him. But he wasn't interested in the one in them knowing him. He was interested in them knowing the one that he served. I believe the reason the scripture is written in this context is because Christ restored into me the ability to express him. When, when I was a sinner, converted back, uh, back into, grafted into the sheepfold of Christ, he made into me a place, a dwelling place, as an expression of his goodness and mercy. When I changed my walk and my talk, when I changed my attitude, when I, when I changed where, where I went and what I did, when I changed what I said and how I acted, I then become an expression of God's goodness and his mercies and his work. At that moment, at that moment of being saved, the moment of receiving the Holy Ghost, I then become uh, an heir, if you would. I, I get to every promise that God has made and God has given. My body becomes a movable temple for the sole reason of worship or giving my entire self to express His grace to this world. The scripture says, know ye not that your body be the temple of the Holy Ghost? I believe that David did not fully even understand them. But the reason God had them build her tabernacle was because he needed an expression of himself. He needed a dwelling place to express himself. It was so ordinary and, 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 and awesome and movable and there's something about it. And there's something about a man who comes to Christ. There's something about a woman who's forever changed. There's something about watching that transformation. You watch people clean up. 
it, it's just something different. I can't really even explain it. You just look better when you're with Christ. You just act better when you're with Christ. Things just seem to work out better when you're with Christ. I, you can sit there all day long and listen to a motivational speaker, but I'd rather the worst preacher in all of Pentecost. I'd rather listen to him because there's just something different about the Holy Ghost. There's just something different about his worship. So then I realized the reason it's written here is because what they're saying is that in this adversity, the tearing down of Rome, the tearing down of Jerusalem, and the spreading of Christians, that God's taken out for himself a group of Gentiles. And in them, rebuilding David's tabernacle, rebuilding an expression of himself. My life is like David's tabernacle. I was living in turmoil. Because of my sin, I deserved adversity. Because of my sin, I deserved death. And he takes me out of that adversity. He takes me out of that lifestyle. He takes me out and, and makes me an expression of his goodness and his mercies. I become an expression of God's grace. So that every Gentile may know his works. They may worship him because of the experience that I had. And the experience that you have. And when he says all Gentiles, he means all Gentiles. I'm so glad that the Lord is no respecter of person. I'm so glad he's no respecter. I'm so glad he, he got... He, he, when the Jews denied him, he said, okay, then to the far reaches of the world. Every culture, every tongue, every skin color, all can be expressions of Jesus Christ. Every conservative, every liberal, every doctor, every lawyer, every homeless man, every tribe, every nation, every group of people. They could all turn their life around and be expressions of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. It's important, though, that we become more than just erected temples, stone not moving. It's important that we don't just erect our temples and never do anything outside of our temples. How crazy would it be to have a personal experience with Jesus Christ and not live a life that, that people can look at me and say, how can you smile when everything's burning down around you? How can you have peace when this world is in chaos? How can you have joy when it, you should not have joy? We do everything in the house. We do everything in our temples. When this is a movement, I'm not just talking about this church. I'm, I'm not talking about just me. I'm talking about us as a movement. We are guilty. We will praise in the temples and we will worship in the temple and we live in the temple and we unify ourselves in the temple and we shout about standards in the temple and we express love in the temple and we express our, our care for one another and we'll pray in the temple. But God's not so interested about what you do in the temple. He's more interested about the expression you make outside of the temple. God's first direction to Moses was not to build a temple. He said, build me a tabernacle. So as you go through the land and conquer, they will see my expression. Yeah. 
That's why he told them, I will dwell on the Ark of the Covenant. Put it on the shoulders of your men and carry me through your desert place. Carry me through your adversity. Carry me. It's an expression of the Holy Ghost. It's the expression of the Holy Ghost. That's why David dances. I don't know who would have witnessed him as he carries the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistine army in their camps back into the dwelling place of Israel. But the reason that he dances is because he's expressing God's grace and mercy. Watch, he, he dances in the town, and they see he, he's leading the forefront. I, I'm not sure how far out they can see, but just imagine with me if you would, because I have the mic, and I can make a little, you know, liberal expression here. Well, I, I'm sure David comes in, and they're wondering, what, did he come back a failure? Or, or David, they're coming back, did he come back a failure? Or is he, and, he, and they watch as David dances, and he shouts through the gates of Israel. They say, he's a victor, he's a victor. God gave us victory today. I know because that's an expression of his goodness. Hey. It's more than just my shouting and my dance, friend. Although it's an expression that I give to God for every grace and mercy. Every time I've been healed in my body, I should dance. And every time God has done something good, I should dance. I should shout and I should clap my hands. You should give God a wave offering. It's an expression. But more than that, what's just as important to God as my shout and my dance is that I live a life that expresses his holiness and his grace in this world. Bam! Be a missionary. Do the work of an evangelist. Be a missionary. Go to their culture and show them our culture. I'm not going to say that American culture is better than African culture. But I will say this, that Christ culture is better than every culture in this world. What I do in the temple alone does not fulfill the great commission and it does not fulfill the commandment. The command is bam, be a missionary. Somebody say it with me, bam, be a missionary. Go ye into all the world, bam, be a missionary. Baptize them in my name, bam, be a missionary. Teach, make disciples, be expressions of my goodness. Surely they would have heard of the tabernacle of David. Surely they would have known the Israelite army as they marched into town. Yeah, they've seen our sign out front. They see the name Austin First Church written on the wall out front. Yeah, they know our women and they see them in public. They know our men when it's the heat of summer. And we're dressed like we want to die in this heat. It's going to be a hot summer, y'all. 99 today in College Station, and I'm not built for heat. I'm not built for it. I can't take off this jacket because this, this is a light blue shirt that's now dark blue. It's hot. It's hot. They know us by our signs. They know us by our walk. They know us by our talk. I'm sure that everyone in here at some point has been approached somewhere out in public and said, are y'all Pentecostal? 
Our apostolic, can y'all pray for me? They know us by what they see, but they need to know more than just my church sign. They need to know more than just my wife in a dress, and they need to know more than just me in a long sleeves and a pants. Uh, they need to know that when I come into the room, that the Holy Ghost follows after me. That when I pray the name of Jesus Christ, every stronghold will fall. Everything, every high thing will be bound. That nothing can stand against me. That no adversary can come against me. That when I walk into the room and every devil in the room should tremble every demon possessed person that walks into the sanctuary that walks into the room that when I'm in the room ought to get a little nervous because I am the expression of the grace the holiness and the mercies and the love of Jesus Christ they shouldn't get uncomfortable because they think that oh they're a little mean they shouldn't get uncomfortable because they think that we'll judge them. They shouldn't get uncomfortable because they think that, that we're here to persecute. They sh their spirit should be uncomfortable because they know that a missionary just walked in the room and a missionary comes with cause. I come to change the culture. I come to change the culture. I'm not moving to Kenya to move to Kenya. My God, I'm not moving to Kenya to move to Kenya. I'm not moving to Kenya. I'm moving to Kenya. They told me how much the rent was where we were going to be staying. They said anywhere to twelve dollars to $1,400. I said, that's more than I pay now. So that's crazy. It's Kenya. They said, well, do you want running water? You'll pay it. I said, yeah, I'll pay it. Lord Jesus, I'll pay it for running water. But I'm not going into Kenya. When I step foot into Kenya, it won't be to live in Kenya. It will be because I came to change the culture. And as we step out of the building tonight, you ought to tell the devil as soon as you come out, devil, I've come to change the culture. Some of you live in homes where mama and daddy don't live for God. When you step in tonight, you ought to pray over the doorframe. I've come to change the culture. Every time the government passes something dumb, you ought to just rejoice. That's okay because I'm going I'm to change this culture. Will you get everybody? No. But is it up to you to decide who makes it and who doesn't? No. Be a missionary everywhere. Be a missionary to everyone. Express the love of Jesus Christ to everything and everyone and everywhere you go. I've come to change the culture. I have come to change the culture. I have come to change the culture. Somebody say, bam, be a missionary. Bam, be a missionary. When I bust through the doors of Walmart, bam, I'm here to be a missionary. Listen, all light has source. There's not a light in this world that you can't trace back to a source. All light has source. Think about it for a second. Light just doesn't just exist on its own. Darkness does. Darkness is the absence of light. So why is there darkness still in some places in Austin? It's because the light hasn't showed up yet. But as soon as the light gets turned on and shows out, it's coming to change the culture. It's coming to push back darkness, to reveal all the things in the darkness, to push out all enemies. Somebody say, bam, be a missionary. Bam, be a missionary. The way I walk, the way I talk, the way I am, my holiness that I express towards God is not, we, we think of holiness as separation from the world, period. 
It's not. It's a comma. There's so much more to holiness. If you think holiness is just separation from the world, period, it's legalistic thinking. Holiness is separation from the world, comma, and my expression of his goodness back to that world. The reason that he's asked me to live holy is not just so I will live separated. It's so that I will reveal him to them. The reason, we, I, the, reason I, I, the reason I do the things that I do is not because I choose to. It's because I worship my creator. I worship the one who loved me. The one who desired me. The one who fought for me. Who died for me. The one who rose again for me. And I need to express it to everyone that I know and see. Every man learns through expression. Every man learns through experience. Even Adam and Eve, all the way back to the first men, every man learned through experiences. That's why you have to have an experience of the Holy Ghost. You can't just get away with, with I prayed lightly one day and now I'm, I'm, I'm a saint of God. No, this is an ongoing thing. This is an expression I have to make. Every day I wake up, I have to say, I'm going to be a missionary to this world. Every day I wake up, I have to, I'm going to take God wherever I go. Every man learns through expression. In fact, 10 years ago this last Mother's Day, 10 years ago is when I got into church on Mother's Day 2012. And I'll tell you what did it for me. I've been to a lot of churches. I've tried a lot of different things, a lot of different religions. But when I came into an apostolic church for the first time, you know what I saw? A conversation that as humanity expressed worship to deity, deity answered back. You know what that tells me? I'm not in this thing alone. I'm not in this thing by myself. That I'm not going to my mission field by myself, having to do it by myself, having to do this alone. No, I'm going with the creator of creators. I'm going with the Lord of lords and the king of kings. The alpha and omega, the beginning and the ending. When I live a life of worship and I express the goodness and mercies of God and I live a life that is pleasing to him and I obey the great commission. The great commission goes beyond position and title. That means before I'm a preacher, I'm a missionary. Before I'm a pastor, I'm a missionary. Before I'm a doctor, I'm a missionary. Before I'm a baker, I'm a missionary. Before I'm a janitor, I'm a missionary. Before I'm anything else, what I am first and foremost is an expression of the goodness of God. David, David catapulted his popularity with Jesus Christ, with, well, I say with Jesus, with, with the Lord, not because he was king of Israel, but because he took off his position and expressed his victory that he had in Jesus. 
He took off his position. That's what it, when it says that he, he shouted until his kingly robe fell off. He took off his pride. He took off his position. And he said, I, I don't care what my co-workers think. I don't care what my friends think. I don't care what my teachers think. That when all this is over, that job is done. When my time in this life is over, who cares what I did for an occupation? Who cares where I'm an alum? Who cares where I used to live? Who cares where I grew up? Who cares who I used to know? Who cares who, who I know? Who cares how much is in my bank account? Who cares how much is in my pocket? Who cares how much knowledge I have? None of that will matter. And when we get to that day, Jesus will not say, well, you quit a lot of jobs. You didn't make a lot of money. Uh, you can make it in, but you're not a front row guy. You didn't pay that much. You didn't tithe that much. That's not, uh, Jesus, he doesn't say that. He doesn't care about that. He cares one of two things. Did you do the work of an evangelist or were you a worker of iniquity? That's all he cares about. That's all he's going to ask. When I get to that day, I want him to say, bam, there's a missionary. Bam, there's a missionary. I think where sometimes we fail in this movement, and musicians come. I'm not sure how you do Passion Night, Brother Green, but I, we're just, if, is it an altar call? You, you, awesome. Good. I think where we fail as a movement sometimes is we spend a long time praying for revival. We pray and we pray for revival. God, give us revival. God, send us revival. God, give us revival in this town. And what that does is eventually it changes our mindset that God's just going to show up with 100 people overnight. Out of nowhere, they're just going to walk in the doors. And it takes the pressure off of us from having to do anything. What we ought to pray is, God, give me favor that as I walk into the streets of my city, that as I talk to people who are in the park, that as I go to work, that they would see the light of glory on me, that I may be an expression of the Holy Ghost. And revival only happens when I express His goodness and His mercies. Nobody stumbles onto Christ. Nobody accidentally comes to Christ. It's not by accident that any of you are here. Most everybody here because somebody expressed him to you. It seems arrogant, I think, of us to say, God, have revival, give revival, do revival. Lord, give revival in Kenya. Lord, give revival in Africa. Lord, have revival in Europe. Lord, have revival in Russia. Lord, have revival in the underground church. Lord, have revival in Austin. No, Lord, give me favor so that I can walk these streets and do the Great Commission and be a missionary and express your love and kindness. For all that he has done that I am undeserving of, the least I can do is to live a life that's glorifying to him and that expresses to them his love and his mercies and his goodness. True love demands manifestation. <laughs> True love demands manifestation. God himself proved this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son who is that the manifestation 
in him bodily is the fullness of the Godhead. He is a manifestation of God. He was more than just a man when he walked this earth. He was more than just an individual when he walked this earth. He came on a mission. He came on a mission. He came on a mission. In the same spirit that dwelled in that flesh that they called Christ Jesus dwells in me today. And his mission has never changed. His purpose has never changed. God didn't quit when he filled me. God didn't say, well, it is finished. If it was, he'd already come back. Of course, if I'm his bride and you can imagine me in a wedding dress, you might wait too. Thank God men don't wear dresses. Whew. What an ugly sight that would be. But love demands manifestation. Would you stand all across this house with me? My love for Christ demands that I manifest an expression of his goodness and his mercies and his grace. I don't know your stories. I wish I did. But here's what's so awesome. The Bible says that there are two things that destroy the enemy in that last day. The blood of the Lamb the word of our testimonies. And what is my testimony? My testimony is my expression of how God took a curly-headed, chubby white guy from Bridge City, Texas who had no father, who lived with friends, who did not know where his mother was half the time, I had no direction, nobody to look up to, nothing to look forward to, no, nowhere to go, nowhere to go. God took that man, filled him with his spirit, transformed his life, gave him, a, gave him an anointing, gave him a mission, gave him a purpose. He said, you're fatherless, I'll give you a father. He said, are you motherless? I'll, I'll, I'll give you matriarchs. He said, do you have, you have no direction? Let me point you on this path here. Do you have nothing to look forward to? Why don't I give you a promise? Just something for you to hold on to. Do, do you lack a reason to get up in the morning? So let me give you a reason. Do you lack joy? Let me be your joy. Do you lack peace? I have it. It passes all understanding. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if everybody in this house has the Holy Ghost or not. But this thing I do know. That all that call upon Him, He answers. That all that repent, He forgives. That all that ask, He infills. He said, seek me. And you might find Knock and I might answer. Search and I, I may show up. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Every time I've knocked at his door, he's opened it. He knew I was coming. Dinner was on the table. Sweet tea was, 
was already in my glass. He said, sit on down, son. I've already knew you were here. Your situation hasn't taken God by surprise. Your family hasn't taken God by surprise. The divorce didn't take God by surprise. Your children walking away didn't take God by surprise. Your health issues didn't take God by surprise. None of these things baffle him. When you go to him, the reason he gives you peace is because he already has peace about it. My God works outside of time. My God works outside of your circumstance. My God works outside of the universe. And yet he works inside of my heart. He works inside of men. He works inside of my situation. He turns my heart around. My God is an infinite of infinites. And yet he lives within me. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in this place and God's been calling you to do more. And you've ignored his call. Maybe you've been in Walmart and God told you to go pray for that person and you didn't do it. Maybe you're in this place and you're lost. Maybe you were like me, no direction, nowhere to go, nothing to look forward to, no family to be had. Whatever your situation is, God's here to answer that tonight. God's here to convict and turn our hearts around. God's here to give callings, to give to give uh, anointings, to give a manifestation of his grace and his mercy and his awesomeness. And he's here to give us all the chance to express that out in this world. The greatest thing about living for God is not just that I get to go to heaven. That's great. And I'm looking forward to it. But it's that I get a chance to express to somebody else who is just like there's a chance for you, my friend. Why don't you come to this altar tonight? Why don't you walk up to this front knowing there's a chance for you tonight? You're not too old to be a missionary. You're not too young to be a missionary. You're not too much of a sinner to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Your sickness has not overcome you too much for God not to heal. God can heal your sicknesses. He can heal your bodies. He can heal your minds. He can change your heart. He can fill you with the Holy Ghost. He can give you an anointing. He can give you peace. Maybe your culture that you need to change needs to start at home. God changed my home life. Lord Jesus, touch my mama. Touch my dad. Touch my brothers, my sisters. My God, help me in school. Help me in work. I'm surrounded every day by lost folks. Lift up your hands all across this house. There's a mercy in this place. There's grace in this house. Somebody's being called right now. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost impressing on somebody's heart right this moment. You know there's, there's a situation. You know that there's somebody that you can reach. Pray for favor right now. God, give me favor. Give me favor. Give me favor. There's somebody in this house who's lost tonight who has no direction. You know where to go. Lift up your hands and say, Father, forgive me. Lord, I have lived a life of sin. I have lived a life contrary to your word. But if you'll have me tonight, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Lift up your voice in this place.